I want to just pause here. The Lord is moving. The Lord is moving. There is an anointing here for, for uh, God to move. I want to give some instruction right now that if, you're, uh, if you've never heard before, um, I, I want to read and, and cause you to hear it and so that you can walk in obedience to the Word of God. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. So suffering is a season of prayer. A season of suffering is a season of prayer. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Hallelujah. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay? So if you have a sickness in your body, you have a malady in your body, it is your responsibility to call for the elders of the church. Amen? Now, in, their, in this day, they did not have telephones or any kind of social media or any kind of communication. To call for the elders of the church, they had to, they had to uh, uh, say, uh, hey, uh, f- friend, husband, wife, come over here. I'm sick. Go get the elders of the church. And they had to leave the house, and they had to go find, go to the home of the elders or go find them and say, hey, uh, my husband needs prayer. My wife needs prayer. My friend needs prayer. Will you come and anoint them with oil? And so then they journeyed to the home, and they, they anointed them with oil in the home, believing God for healing. That was the responsibility of the one that needed healing. It's an expression of faith. And so uh, James says, confess your trespasses uh, to one. It says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if your sickness is because of a sin that you've committed, you'll be forgiven. Amen? Now, not all sickness is from a sin, but some is. And so, this is, this is the prescription. This is the prescription. Call for the elders of the church. Have them lay hands on you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, what about COVID, Pastor? What if it's a contagious disease? God is bigger than that. We will anoint you with oil, and we will pray over you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We will believe for God to raise you up and heal you and touch you. And so we give give opportunity in our services for you to be anointed with oil because it's biblical, because God prescribes it. And because it's through this, this isn't the only method. Sometimes we just lay hands on people and they're healed. Amen? Um, that's, what, that's what the Great Commission says. You'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's not just for elders. That's for all of you. Amen? And so then sometimes we just speak a word. God sent forth his word and healed their disease. He just spoke it out, and the people were healed. Nobody laid hands on them. Nobody anointed them with oil. And so these are just different ways and means that God uses because he has a heart for you and he wants to minister to you. Hallelujah. And so next time you're sick, uh, now 
You don't have to call the elders, you know, every time you get a little sniffle, oh, I got, got a sniffle today, I think I'll call the elders of the church. Uh, you don't have to do that. We might be way bit busier than we, than we think. But, friend, you know what I'm talking about. You got something that, that you're not overcoming. Uh, you, need, you need the elders of the church to come and lay hands on you and pray over you. So is there anybody this morning that would say, I want to be anointed with oil, and I want the elders of the church to lay hands on me for healing in Jesus' name? Everett, we're going to pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. Anybody else say, I, I want to express faith by just lifting up my hand and having the elders come pray over me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just take a moment and let's pray for Everett right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for touching his lungs. We thank you, God, for healing him. He was in the emergency room with chest pains this week, and we thank you for touching his heart and healing his body. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for your touch, for ministry moving. We thank you, Father, for healing, for healing flowing to Angie right now, for healing flowing to her neck and her back, oh God, in her hand, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the, the healing ministry, the, restor, the restoring ministry of the of the Lord in Jesus name. Thank you Father. Thank you Father. Dada da dangor da bashenda kandaria sanda da da moko. Pera da ramondor da baka. Pera da bashenda da da kendra da ke. Pordra kardra mandor da baka. We praise the name of Jesus. We thank you Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you for complete victory in Randy's body in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God, she's been battling for years now. We thank you for complete victory in her body in the name of the Lord. Come upon her, we pray. We thank you, Father, for the ministering uh, Holy Spirit. We thank you for, uh, we thank you for the, the gift of healing flowing to her now in Jesus' name. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we give you glory, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. We give you praise. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're, we're going to give this morning, and we're going to uh, give you opportunity to give. I want to uh, just um, remind us that giving is a privilege. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. Praise God. And I want to thank God publicly that um, in August, in August, 
a month that we are never in the black. We were in the black in August. Praise God. And uh, I, I, will, I will openly share this, this year has been a trial of faith. We've done a lot. We're planting a church. We've done a lot uh, in, in the kingdom. We've done more than what we could afford to do because God called us to do it. And at every turn, God has been faithful. And I, and I, and I want to say this too. In September, uh, we were also in the black. Hallelujah. Two months in a row. Woo! Ah! And it's because God's people are faithful. It's because God's people um, have, have uh, just said, Lord, I'm going to walk in obedience to you with my finances. And so, uh, Lord, we thank you for your blessing and your favor on this house. And so many, God, have just said, Lord, I have a heart for missions, and so I'm going to give to missions. God, I, I want to be obedient with my tithe, and so I'm going to bring my tithe before the Lord, and I'm, I'm going to bring it to the storehouse. God, so many people that, that have, it, Lord, it, to the world, it just seems crazy. You're going to give a tenth of your income to the church? Just seems crazy. But, Lord, we know that when we step into that place of obedience, your blessing, uh, Lord, we cannot keep up with your blessing, and we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, for uh, just uh, flowing over and abundant to every household in Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. And everybody said amen. God bless you as you give. Today, a couple of announcements. First of all, we are collecting candy for our outreach uh, that will take place a week from tomorrow night. Um, we uh, are looking forward. There's going to be a lot of people here. Uh, the truck, the co coffee truck will be here. We'll have fires burning. We'll, we'll have uh, uh, people taking pictures. I'm looking for somebody that will take pictures in my place so that I can just talk and pray with people. Um, this year. I've always been the picture taker, uh, but I don't want to do that this year. If somebody would step up in that area, that would be awesome. Um, and, uh, oh, Bill's going to do it. Oh, praise God. Praise God. All right. Will you drive me to Walmart to get some film, brother? <laughs> That's faith, isn't it? That's faith. Praise God. Praise God. Bill, you'll, you'll think this is funny, but somebody seriously asked me one time what the rivets were on the side of the road for, and they said, I think that's to keep the blind people from going off the road while they're driving. <laughs> and I said, I just said, you need to just think about what you just said. You need to think about that for a moment. <laughs> oh, praise God. So we need candy. We need candy. If you don't know what to do or how to be a part, we need candy. We're going to give away more candy than anybody in the city. Maybe. I don't know if that's true or not, but we'll see. We have invites uh, available out in the foyer, and uh, so you can grab some of those and give them away. And uh, then this Saturday at IGA, the men will be cooking ribeyes and selling ribeyes. I, I'm, I'm thankful that IGA does that. And uh, then we get a portion of, of that uh, that is made from that and so from those sales. And so we're going to be there. You might need a jacket. 
But uh, it's the last one of the year. It's the only one that was available when we went to sign up. And so we will be there. Uh, if you need specific times, I'm thinking it's about 10. If you show up at like 7 in the morning and just wait, we'll be there eventually. They serve from 11 to, 11 to 1? Okay. Okay, so uh, we need uh, four or five or six or seven. That's good fellowship. And then um, uh, my wife has on here kids' Christmas program. I have no idea what I'm supposed to say about that. But it's on the list. Um, if, uh, let, me, let me make up an announcement for that. Uh, if you have a child or a grandchild that you want to be in the kids' program, see Cami about that. We are organizing for Christmas now. Okay. And then finally, two Sundays from today on November the 6th is Mission Sunday. We are going to be hosting a Wings uh, dinner to raise money for Cuba. And so uh, this, this is a fundraiser. Uh, so we're just asking any, anybody that can to stick around after church, uh, bring somebody with you that day, and uh, for ten dollars you get win you get a, all the you get the the meal. If you want dessert, you're gonna have to buy dessert because we're trying to raise as much money as we can for Cuba. We're trying to squeeze you dry, and we're doing it unapologetically. Okay, we want to squeeze you dry uh, for Cuba. Uh, we're in the process of raising $10,000 to see a church built in the, in the uh, nation of Cuba, in Havana. We're actually this year partnering with about six or seven other churches, and the whole project is about $160,000. This is a church, this is one of the larger churches in Havana. We're, we're building a church that will seat, I think, three or 400 people. And we are a part of it, and the team that we're sending over in February is going to go there to be a part of that building and to uh, minister to the Cuban church. And so uh, that will happen in two Sundays, uh, uh, Wing Sunday, all right? So November the 6th, so don't be a chicken. Can you strike that from the video, please? You already got it? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, you need to pray for her. And I haven't even started preaching yet. Oh, we're having fun. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Wasn't that a powerful message that Pastor Gary preached last week on the return of Christ? If you did not get a chance to hear it, you can go to our Facebook page uh, or our YouTube channel, and you can uh, listen to that message. Um, coincidentally, um, our breakfast tables have centered all around the second coming, the same chapter that Pastor Gary preached out of. And so somebody asked, well, did you line that up? Um, and I did not line that up. Uh, it happened that way. Um, and, and so, in fact, 
I prepared this morning's breakfast table before I heard him preach, and all the same scriptures were all in there, and it was just like, whoa, friend, God is speaking something about the return of Christ that we need to pay attention to. Every time I talk about the second coming, uh, I feel the anointing of the, of the Holy Spirit. It's something that God wants us, wants the church to highlight right now. Jesus Christ is coming back again. Amen? And I'm not going to be preaching specifically about the second coming today, but I am going to be talking about a major theme of the second coming uh, that, that I'm, I'm going to spend the bulk of my time on today that I, that I hope that, that you'll hear, that you'll hear my heart in it. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Lord, as we approach your word right now, we thank you for the anointing that is on your word that brings our hearts, God, into line. You want to tune our spirits. You want to tune our ears with what you are saying, with what you are doing in this time and in this day. God, you are looking for strong men and women of God to stand up in this hour and to be the people of God that you've called them to be in Jesus' name. We're the elect ones, God. We're the ones you've chosen for such a time as this, to live in these end times, to preach your word in these end times, to see lost people come to you in these end times. God, people that are without hope and without God, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you will break in and bring them near. We thank you, Lord. They're not our enemies. We love people everywhere. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities that keep them blinded and shrouded and doing their own things so that they are distracted from what you are saying. And we thank you, Jesus, for bringing them near for a mighty harvest that's coming in to the kingdom in the, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. And everybody said, amen, amen. I was in a meeting Tuesday night with our friend John Harkey in Galesburg, Illinois, and um, I was leading worship for that meeting. Candace was there helping me. And the second night, of the, both nights were powerful. The second night, we watched as 12 young people that, to my knowledge, had never been in church before. Um, they, they came uh, and were touched by the powerful presence of God. They came down to the altar and wept their way through to Jesus and were powerfully saved and born again. Hallelujah. It was amazing. Uh, they were in their 20s and their 30s. They, uh, what I say, when I say young people, that age is getting older and older uh, when I'm referring to, to young people. But it was absolutely phenomenal. God has a move of his spirit for this generation that is going to change and transform America. I believe that with my whole heart. There is hope. There is hope. I want to read one verse in John chapter 1, verse 14. And uh, the Bible says this, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. Everybody say that. Full of of grace and truth. Say it again. Full of grace 
and truth. I want to talk about Jesus today. Don't you think we should talk about Jesus in church? He's good. Hallelujah. I want to lift up Jesus this morning. And this verse reveals qualities that Jesus possesses. And John highlighted two of those qualities in this verse right here, that Jesus was full of grace and he is full of truth. Now, grace, when we come to the Lord, it is grace that he imparts to us. That's his power. And it's his grace that saves us. Right? It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Right? It is by grace. And so you say, well, how am I going to become a follower of Jesus Christ? I know what I've done. I know my failures. I know my hardships. How am I going to become a follower of Jesus Christ? Because God's grace is bigger than all of that. God's grace is bigger than your failure. Amen? God's grace is bigger than anything that you've ever done in your life. That anything that... that, that way that you have displeased God, God's grace is bigger than that. And so faith rises up in your heart. It's perhaps even rising up in your heart right now to believe God for grace to be saved. God, I need your grace. And what is his grace? It's akin to his power and his strength in your life. And he releases it into your life. And you are never the same again. We give praise to the Lord. Jesus embodies grace. Anybody ever say, I don't think I can make it through this trial? Anybody ever say that before? Paul was saying that. He said, God, I've got this infirmity, and it's really hard. And Lord, you've healed me before. All the time you've healed me. Will you heal me this time? It's hard. And you know what God said? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul heard the Holy Spirit say that. My grace is sufficient. And he said, Lord, that's not what I was wanting to hear. I want you to just take me out of this situation right now. Anybody want God to take you out of your situation right now? And Paul prayed again. And God said again, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul was like, Lord, you said it twice now, but that's not what I'm wanting you to say. I want you to heal me. And God said again, a third time, my grace is sufficient for you. And I declare that over you right now, that whatever you're walking through, you fasten your eyes on Jesus, and you will find sufficient grace to bring you all the way through. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
We need God's grace. So, Lord, I just want to pause right now, and I want to thank you for strength coming into people the same way it went into Paul, the same way it came into us when we became a new creation in Christ. We thank you for your grace being apportioned to your people now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. When you're walking through a trial, lean into his grace. When you're walking through a difficulty, he will pour it out on you. It is enough. It is enough. It is enough. Thank you, Jesus. I want to spend the bulk of my time this morning not talking about grace. I want to spend the bulk of my time this morning talking about truth. Because John said he's not just full of grace, but he's also full of truth. This is a big deal in the culture that we live in right now. Truth. This is a big deal. Now, we who believe the Bible believe that the Bible is truth. You've had an encounter with God, you suddenly realize, oh, the Word of God really is true. And when that revelation goes off in your mind and your heart, and you embrace that, you go, wow. And you begin to see things differently than you've ever seen them before. But truth, and, and what truth is, and how do I follow truth, is a question that every single generation uh, has, has asked. And so in John chapter 1, we just read it, he's full of grace and truth. We, we uh, read in John chapter 8, verse 32, that it is the truth uh, that sets us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so one of the qualities about truth is that it brings you out of bondage and into freedom, out of darkness and into light. That's what truth does. When you've been living in deception, and when you've been living in shadows, and suddenly you see the truth, you go, whoa, and you step out of the darkness and into the light, and you are delivered and set free in Jesus' name. That's a quality of truth that, that Jesus embodies. The truth sets people free. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said that no man comes to the Father except by me. And right before that, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There it is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so that's a bold, bold, bold statement Jesus made. And either he's a liar or he is a, a uh, what was it that C.S. Lewis said? Liar, Lord, or lunatic? Liar, lunatic, or Lord? Either he was an outright liar, either he was a madman that should, should have been locked up in a, in a home somewhere for what he believed. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Uh, that's, that's what he proclaimed, or he was telling the truth, right? And if he's telling the truth, then we've got a lot to pay attention to. No man comes to the Father except by him. There are 8 billion people on the planet. And not one of them will get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And they have got to, to come 
through him. It's why it's so important that we preach the gospel. And friend, if you, if you hear nothing for your own life today, hopefully you'll be motivated this morning to preach the gospel to those around you, to share with those in your workplaces, to share with those to believe God, to open up the way for you to be able to share the gospel with people, people around you. Jesus is the only truth. When he was standing before Pontius Pilate in John chapter 18, Jesus was said in verse 37, he said, I came to bear witness to the truth. And in verse 38, love what Pontius Pilate asked. This is what, Pontius, this is what the generations is asking. What is truth? What is truth? And our culture doesn't say it like that. Our culture says well, whose truth? That may be true for you, but it is not true for me. It's my truth. This is one of the difficulties in our culture. At the founding of our nation, the vast majority of the people believed in the Word of God as truth. And our Constitution, and they weren't perfect people by any means, but our Constitution was uh, surrounded by biblical principles. Well, now the majority in America are not following Jesus. And now the majority in America are saying, why is this truth? And why is that truth? And no, it's what I believe and what you believe, and truth can be whatever you want it to be. And if Jesus is not the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then let chaos reign. We're all meandering through this ball called earth in an evolutionary process, and when it's over, it's over. And truth is irrelevant. I won't harm you, you won't harm me. Laissez-faire. Whatever will be, will be. Unless Jesus is real and what he said is right. And why is it that Jesus' truth matters above everybody else's? Well, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're just going to walk through some scripture this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4. I love the bluntness of Peter in his books. And I want you to think about your workplaces. And I want, to, I want you to think about how you participate right now with the people in your workplaces that are unbelievers. Do they think you strange? Or do you participate with them? Do they think that you're, you're different? Or do, do you laugh at all the same things they laugh at? Or do you talk the same way that they talk? Do you 
do you enter into all the same things they enter into? I love what Peter said. And let's just start in verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Suffering helps you overcome. Verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. We're going to come back to the lusts of men in just a, a little bit here. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing what the Gentiles do. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the world. Right? If you don't have Jesus, what else do you have to live for? This is what you live for. You live for the flesh. You live to, to make yourself feel good. You live for the moment. And that's where many of us were before we met Jesus. In fact, that's your testimony. You don't want to glorify your past, I know. But how many of you would say, that's where I used to be? I used to be right there with all the parties, with all, of, with all the, the stuff. I used to be right there. And, and, and Peter just says, hey, we have lived enough. We have given enough time to that. That's what we used to walk with. And in regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. One of the problems in the church is that the church is still running with the world. It's one of the problems in the church. We're praying, God, send revival to the church. Well, one of the things he does when he sends revival is he calls you to live differently. To come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. He wants you to live differently, a different generation. Come on. Come on. They speak evil of you. And I remember even in high school that the, that the party crowd would, would make fun of me. They would say, oh, Palmer, he's a virgin. And in those days, I'd say, you're right. I didn't care. I, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was trying to live for God. I was trying to walk differently. God wants... Uh, Joshua's and Caleb's to stand up and not be the same as everybody else in their generation. Somebody that will stem the tide. Our high schools are filled right now with pornography. Kids walking around with cell phones, you know what they're walking around with? They're walking around with pornography machines. And there are grade schools it starts in grade school now. They're, they're, uh, the, the, the sexual inundation that is, is on our children right now is trying to steal the soul of America. And we need somebody that will rise up and say, I'm going to live different in my generation. I'm not going to live this way. 
This is the way the world lives. This is the pagan celebration. This is how they live. I'm, I'm about to bring a message. I'm going to bring a message to the church about, about the, the pagan gods that have returned to America from Jonathan Kahn's book. I'm looking forward to that. We are looking for people that will stand up in this generation and live differently. It is not okay. It is not okay for the church to be just as much giving themselves to fornication and adultery as the world. God has sanctified. He has sanctified things. He has created things to have an order, and he's called his people to live in it. The purpose of this life is not just for flesh and pleasure. But the purpose for me in this life is to glorify God in my body and in my life. Come on. And they persecuted me. And they called me names, which I won't repeat here. And at first it was like, oh, I don't know if I can take this. After a while, it was like a badge of honor. And people came to Christ because of it. People came to Christ because of it. You don't think they'll notice if you quit swearing with them? They will. God, forgive your people. Forgive us for looking exactly like the world. We think, oh, if we're going to win the world, if we're going to get them to come to church, we've got to look just like them. We've got to act just like them. If they're going to, we've got to fit in. Well, none of the prophets ever fit in. None of the men and women of God ever fit in. Some of them, they, some of them had people listen to them, and some of them didn't, but they pleased the Lord in everything. And God is looking for people that will come out and walk in his truth. Now, they speak evil of you, but let's look at verse 5. Oh, and they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And this is why the truth of Jesus matters more than any other truth because it is him that is going to judge the living and the dead. It is him that after he returns, he is, he is going to stand then not as a, a, a savior. He's going to stand then not as a healer, not as a deliverer, but he is going to stand as a judge. And every one of us is going to stand before God and give an account. And I'm, and I'm not trying to put something, a burden on you that you cannot carry. But this is, is part of the gospel message that we're supposed to preach. That Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead. Are you ready to stand before him? Are you sure, Pastor, this is part of the message that I'm supposed to preach? Well, turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Let's answer that question. Acts chapter 10 and verse 42. 
We're going to chase some scripture down here. This is Peter preaching to the first Gentile, Cornelius, the first Gentile convert to come to Christ. And Peter didn't even want to go and preach to this man, but here he is preaching in his house. And uh, he, he gives them uh, all kinds of awesome uh he gives them an awesome message like in verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Praise the Lord. And he says, we're witnesses of these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Now he's talking about the death of Christ. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Now he's talking about the resurrection of Christ. Verse 41, not, he didn't, he didn't uh, appear to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him, after he arose from the dead. And so we're called to be witnesses, aren't we? But look at verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Wow. This is part of the gospel message. Did you know, friend, that, that if I'm going to be your friend, I've got to tell you that someday you're going to stand before this man named Jesus. And in that moment, he's not going to have compassion. In that moment, he is not going to, to, uh, to uh, exercise. In that moment, he's not going to exercise forgiveness. In that moment, he's going to stand as a judge. I thank God that while it is still day, he does exercise forgiveness, and he does exercise grace, as long as it is called today. But friend, that day is coming. Kings and queens will tremble and shake before him. They will shake before Jesus, and they will say, oh, I had it all wrong. I didn't know. And Psalm chapter 2 says Jesus will hold them in derision and laugh at them. Wow. Because he's come to judge the living and the dead. We need the fear of the Lord to come on America again. We need the fear of the Lord to come on the church again. Should I be afraid of God's judgment? I should be if I'm not living right for Jesus. But if I'm living right for God, I'm under the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to suffer the wrath of the Lamb because I'm under the blood of the Lamb following the Lamb. But those that are not should fear. They should fear. He's going to judge the living and the dead. Whew. Well, are you sure this is what we're supposed to preach, Pastor? This sounds harsh. Well, you can try to couch it in whatever words that you want to couch it with. But listen to what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the great commission 
of Timothy. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. He wanted Timothy to be reminded and have it in the forefront of his memory. As you're preaching, remember, God's going to judge the living and the dead. He's the one you're accountable to. He's the one you're accountable to. Ecclesiastes is a strange, strange book. It's kind of after Solomon started to kind of lose his his way, and there's a lot of things in there that are difficult to understand, and he is, is talking about a lot of different things. But you know the conclusion of everything that, that he came to in the book of Ecclesiastes? Uh, in the, the very last chapter, in the very last verse, says this. Let me read the last two verses. The conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Whew. Feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this room right now. Whose truth is it that matters? It's His truth. It's His truth that matters. Jesus. Jesus. We've got to come back to the fear of the Lord because it's His truth that matters in this generation. In this generation, I want to I, I give you two things that I felt the Holy Spirit put warning in me about when it comes to truth. And the first one is in James chapter 4. And please, I'm not trying to grocery list different sins because... It would take a long time to hit them all. <laughs> Things that God has told us to do that we're not doing. Things that God has told us not to do that we are doing. That's the sins of commission and the sins of omission. Take a long time to grocery list them. We need to have sensitive hearts to the Holy Spirit. As we read the Word, we need to bring our lives in line with the Word. But let me hit on two that I felt the Lord place in me. And the first is in James chapter 4. Uh, and James uh, chapter 4. Um, looking for the verse. There's a lot of good verses in James chapter 4, but there's one particular. 
James chapter 5, I'm sorry. Verse 9. James chapter 5, verse 9 says this. Do not grumble against one another. Lest you be condemned, behold, the judge is standing at the door. We think we're just expressing ourselves. We've got to put a guard over our mouth, church, to keep us from grumbling. Yesterday, I was grumbling about our government, and I had to repent. I was not being constructive. You know, we hide behind, well, it's true. It's true. Just because something is true doesn't mean your heart is right with God. And we've got to be careful that we're not grumbling. Why did the Israelites wander around in the wilderness for 40 years? Because they grumbled. Because they complained. Don't have a complaining spirit. It's rooted in covetousness because you wish your life was something different than what it is. Your life is what it is, and God is going to work inside of it. But not if you grumble. You tie his hands. When you grumble, you tie the hands of God to work in your situation. And so I'm going to leave that right there and just say, God, will you deal with my heart when I grumble? Yesterday I had to repent for grumbling. And this is something that I feel like God wants his people to quit, is to quit complaining about the situation and start bringing God into the situation in Jesus' name. And that's true over household things, over, over financial things, over money things, over political things, over all those things. We have got to guard our hearts against grumbling. Come on. God is good, and he always will be. And the second thing, when it comes to truth, that I felt like the Lord wanted me to touch on today is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, we're going to look together at verse 18. Verse 18. This is for every person in here this morning. It says this, flee sexual immorality. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside his body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is true for married people. 
just as much as it is for single people. You're looking at things that you ought not be looking at when Jesus lives inside of you. Come on. You're dragging Jesus through the mud and the muck, and you've got to repent in the name of Jesus. And you've got to purify your, 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 yourselves. You've got to set yourself apart for the Lord. Never in history, never in history has pornography been so readily available as it is right now. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. And I'm calling the church away from sexual immorality. And that doesn't just mean uh, actually committing an act. That means walking in purity in every area of your life. You, you will justify things. You will justify things in your own thinking about, about how, oh, it's okay, it's this or that. Uh, God created people to look this way. And you make up all kinds of excuses to justify it in your heart when the Holy Spirit is convicting you. And I am calling you, man of God, I'm calling you, woman of God, to flee, to run away from with everything that you have, every form of sexual immorality in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. The thinking today is, oh, they're just, they're young people. They're just going to do whatever they want to do. Young people committed to Jesus can stand against the flood, can stand against the tide in this generation. God is able to make them stand. God is able to make you stand. Praise God. Come on. Flee sexual immorality. It's because of sexual immorality that much of the church does not experience revival. There's secret place things that God is saying, we need cleansing. We need healing. We need washing. Jesus. 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 God, cleanse your people. This is about a heart that's lining up with truth. God is full of grace. Jesus is full of grace. He's full of truth. So what do I do when I fail? You come to the altar, and you say, Jesus, will you wash me? Will you cleanse me? There's ideologies in the world right now. They're listed in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It's okay to commit adultery. People have agreed upon marriages that are just open now. It's abomination before the Lord. It's abomination before the Lord. And one thing that the church has done is because what they term as 
deeper forms of sexual immorality have been injected in society, the lesser forms in our minds that we think are lesser are acceptable. Just so we don't cross this line. And the line keeps moving further and further and further out. But friend, it is time to line our lives up with the Word of God. And say, I'm going to walk according to truth. In Jesus' name. So, Father, all across this place right now, Lord, your word has penetrated our hearts. I could have pulled out another 20 scriptures about how you judge the living and the dead. You say it over and over and over and over. Because this day of the Lord, that this thing is all about, however many years we have on earth, whether it's 20 or 30 or, 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 or whether our, our life is extended to its full, to 120 it's just a small sample, and it is going to be over like that. Our lives are like a mist that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. That's what James says. And then we're going to stand before you. And Lord, it's my desire that every single person, a part of Faith Church, it's my desire that every single person in Lincoln, Illinois, it's my desire that every single person that hears the preaching of the Word, God, would, would stand before you and you, and you would, would uh, say to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in, come in, come in, come in. Lord, that's the, that's the words that I'm believing for, and that's the words that I want all of our people to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant whose judgment, the judgment that would be on our lives was instead on the cross. Oh. Lord, you, you took the judgment off of us and you put it on Jesus. And Lord, now it's just up to us to follow. And Lord, that's my prayer. And I, Lord, as we live and as we move and as we go about our business, we have our being in this earth that we would live in the healthy fear of God, knowing that that word that I'm about to speak, it's going to be judged someday. That grumbling coming out of my mouth, that picture that I'm looking at right now, I'm going to be judged one day. That action I'm about to take, I'm going to be judged one day. I'm going to stand before God. And it won't matter how many times I sat in church if I never repented. It won't matter how many times I sang a song if I didn't come to Jesus. Oh, but Lord, that moment that we come to you, we take one step to you, you come running to us with open wide arms and you pour out your mercy and you pour out your grace upon us. And so, Lord, I'm just asking that the fear of the Lord would come upon me, upon every single one of us, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father.
We thank you, Father, for this part of the gospel message. You've come to judge the living and the dead. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Friend, if you're here today, you've never become a follower of Jesus Christ. And you say, you know what, Pastor? I, I see Jesus shed his blood on the cross to take away my judgment so that I don't have to be afraid on that day. And I want to follow him. I want to receive him as Savior. I want to follow him as Lord. And I want to make him a part of my life. If that's you this morning, just lift up your hand where you are. And we're going to pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say, yes, that's me. Everybody say, yes, that's me. Jesus. Lord, have your way. Anybody here this morning? I'm not going to make you come up to the front. But would just say, Pastor, I realize that I need to repent of some things. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I've allowed things into my life. I've not been following truth, whether it's the things that I mentioned today or not, but the Holy Spirit's bringing conviction. And you just want to just expose that, just step out into the light and just lift your hand and say, yes, that's me. I, I'm, I need God to forgive me today. Anybody at all? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. All around this room. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, these people have not lifted their hands before me. They've lifted their hands before you. And they have said, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. Just whisper that to the Lord right now. Lord, we thank you for the blood of the Lamb washing over us. We thank you, Father, for uh, forgiveness. <laughs> We've already taken communion. Maybe we should have done it at the end to celebrate even more. But, Lord, I just thank you for the, the blood of Jesus washing over each one and cleansing each one where they are. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, at the altar where they are right now, encounter with you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen.